Happy birthday, Ben Simmons. Exactly. So this will be posting a little bit later, but it is Ben Simmons' birthday. Happy 24th. <laughs> I know we mentioned, you know, Alexis and I were big uh, Overbrook basketball fans, big Sixers fans, but more importantly, Miss Perez here is a big Ben Simmons fan. So much so that my students at one point were tweeting at him for a month straight saying please date my teacher it hasn't worked yet but i i'm expecting the same energy next year virtual or in person bring the same energy right like we were getting somewhere and then distance learning started so we had to stop but don't worry if it wasn't for a global pandemic you'd probably be in the bubble with ben simmons Students are always like, you can't marry Ben Simmons, then you'll leave us. I'm like, yes. <laughs> but I'll donate a lot of money here. You'll never forget me because the school name will now be Simmons School. Exactly. This whole, everything that's been going on these past few months, probably because we're in quarantine, it's caused like a lot of reflection, self-reflection on, mm -hmm. on everyone, I think. I went home this weekend and I was just talking to my mom about the podcast and how you had said maybe my dad would be a guest and I was and then I was saying like she doesn't know dad like he <laughs> he'd sooner jump out a window <laughs> but my mom my mom then started telling stories about like when they were younger and she said this crazy story about when they were at Red Lobster when they were she was like really young there was a couple sitting next to them. I guess when Red Lobster was the hot date spot, you know? <laughs> Is it still? I don't know. Ben? <laughs> Dude, there's a Red Lobster in the bubble. <laughs> Doesn't look like it. Crusty cauliflower patties. Like, no, I'd eat the paper before I ate that. <laughs> But there was this like older couple next to them and my dad went up to get to the go to the bathroom and when he left the older couple was like she's so pretty why is she with him oh wow but also we so we mentioned the um I was listening to Jack Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert and he had Blake Griffin on like a few weeks ago mm -hmm. And he was saying, I didn't know this. I didn't watch the 30 for 30 episode if it came out or I guess it did, but about the Clippers owner being so racist. I had no idea about any of that. No. And Blake Griffin, so the owner of the Clippers apparently is super racist. Or was, because he's obviously not uh, the owner anymore. Mm -hmm. But when, so Blake Griffin starts to kind of tell a story about it, but apparently there is a 30 for 30 episode about it. When Blake Griffin got signed to the Clippers, the owner had a white party in his house in Malibu where everyone had to wear white. Mm -hmm. So Blake Griffin, obviously the rookie has to go to the game or go to the party. He goes to the party. The owner of the Clippers is in all black. Everyone else is wearing white. He starts parading Blake Griffin around the party saying, look at what I just bought, making Blake Griffin hold his hand. And he says that he's parading him around saying, look at how big his muscles are. Look at what I, what I just got. And I, it was the craziest thing I had ever listened to. Oh and, my gosh. And Dak Shepard is like, what, like, what did you do? And he's like, I mean, like, I didn't really know what to do at the time. Like I'm this rookie. I'm, I'm, I 
just I'm out of college. Like I went two years in college and then I get drafted to the Clippers and here's this guy parading me around like I am his slave on the plantation. And, but I don't, I don't know what's crossing the line, what I can say, what I can't say. He was like, I was trying not to hold his hand as much as I could. He like makes a joke about it. Cause he said, everyone's always like, well, why didn't you do something? And he's like, well, I tried to like wriggle my hand down a bunch of times. But I was mind blown. So then he starts telling more stories about like how his overt racism like really came to to, came to the front. And apparently his mistress had recorded him saying all of these racist things and leaked it to the media the day before Mm -hmm. the playoff game. Um, But can you imagine? So I just looked it up and it's not an episode. It's a 30 for 30 podcast and there's five episodes. That is wild like i can't even he was saying like feel his muscles look at how look at how um built he is that is literally exactly what the slave owners would do when they were selling their slaves and they would put them on on statures to look to see how strong they were to work on their plantation right and what year was blake griffin treated or on the clippers it had to be like the early two he's 31 now did he start on yeah he started on the clippers yeah so it was 2009 he was drafted round one first pick to the la clippers in 2009 Mm -hmm. so 10 11 years ago but he was on with the clippers from 2009 to 2018 so almost 10 years yeah so he had they were bringing up the point of like when that incident came out with the playoffs and how a lot of people were saying like, you should boycott the game. You should sit the game. And Blake was saying how their coach told them all to turn their phones off because nothing like they don't know how much hard blood, sweat and tears you put into this season. Like, and Blake made a really good point. He was saying, I didn't play for the owner of the Clippers. Mm. He just paid me. I didn't pay play for him at all so to sit out the playoff game that we worked so hard for would be negating all of the hard work i've done just because the guy that pays me is an idiot right i don't don't play at all for him and i was like wow that's a really good healthy way to look at that because most people would just be like most people wouldn't look at it in that way at all no so instead they did a really cool thing where they like put flip their warm-ups inside out so it didn't say clippers at all all right so his mom is white he's black his dad is black yeah his whole story is really interesting because he grew up in oklahoma where like uh, there's a, a lot of racism apparently from his story but so his house was in the middle of this neighborhood and then on his left was his black friend and on his right was his white friend and he said he would always have to pick whose side he was going to go to but it was good that he lived in the middle so that way his white friend could never see him crossing over to like his black friend's house and vice wow. versa. Wow. Yeah. And the incidents where he was saying all the girls would say like, I really like you, but I can't date you because my dad won't let me. And mm. so we had Tamira Barr on who is Alexis's neighbor. Yeah. So spreading really our plethora of guests out here, venturing yes. out of the Pine Hill. <laughs> You know, taking a couple steps out. So Tamara has two 
sons. One is 24 and he's the same age as, or you're younger than my sister, Kayla. So like they rode the bus together and like kind of knew each other. And then her youngest son is nine and it was probably three-ish summers ago that I had her youngest son and my like camp group over the summer at my summer job. And Tamara is like really into fitness. So she went to the same gym as me. So I'd always see her and like say, Hey, and then when her son Sam was in my camp group is really like when we, I started following her on Instagram and we started kind of talking more. And then after the murder of George Floyd, like, and we were sharing, she's sharing her story on Instagram and I'm sharing all of my stuff on Instagram. We would be kind of like checking in on each other. Like, Hey, how's it going? Isn't this crazy? Um, and it was nice to kind of have someone else to talk to as I don't have a lot of black friends. It was cool to have that conversation with somebody else. Um, although older than I am, um, she's super cool and super relatable. So it was nice to be able to ask her to be on the podcast with us and to kind of get to hear her story. And she's a teacher as well. It was cool to see both of you guys reflecting on things that you hadn't thought about from your childhood or from growing up that now are kind of like clicking in your brain. It's so interesting to watch that like process happen because you don't and it's so interesting too because like she mentioned that she grew up in Delran and I grew up here in Voorhees but how as black women we had similar upbringings by our parents so like not necessarily our parents not necessarily having the talk with us about you know being black in America is more like little discussions here and there rather opposed to the conversations that they have with their black sons. And we have a whole conversation about being a black woman and our hair and not wanting to get it wet. Um, also that's just a whole process, but you know, it's also the fact of not wanting to bring attention to yourself and have to talk about differences and whatever. So it was definitely cool to see, uh, to talk to her about, those similarities and reflecting because it's always like when someone else says it you start to think and you're like oh my gosh yeah like that happened to me too so or I thought that way as well so it was cool to hear her side as well yeah so we have episode nine we're here with Alexis's neighbor yeah (laughs) yeah so in our in our quest for kind of figuring out who we wanted as guests, Alexis, and she had sent me her Instagram and I was not, I was creeping through it. Yes. But but I was reading through your posts and especially the one about um, your family. And we're going to get into that, but that it was really moving. So if you want to just introduce yourself to our audience with your background information, who you are, anything you want to tell us. Hi. So thank you ladies very much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. My name is Tamira Barr. I am an online health and fitness coach. I also have been teaching for 17 years. I am currently teaching the reading and writing for middle school students, and I teach in the inner city. And not only am I an African-American, Black American woman, but I also teach in a predominantly Hispanic and Black American city. 
as well. So that is something that I feel like I've always been drawn to as well because of my race. Have you been at the same school for all 17 years? So no, I haven't been. I've been at the same school now for 14. For my first few years, I was just at a middle school. And now I currently teach at a, what they call a family school. So it's pre-K to eighth grade. Okay. But I teach middle school reading and writing, and it alternates. I always teach eighth grade, but I, it usually alternates between six and seven. How do you enjoy that, I guess, being with the middle school age? <laughs> so everybody always asks that, too, because I sure with the ladies of high school. I actually prefer middle school than younger children, which I'm nice to probably say the same thing, but anybody who teaches younger never relates to us when we say that. <laughs> They're like, what? What do you mean? I feel like I am a, say, strict <laughs> um, type of teacher, say, mama, woman, whatever you call me. And um, I feel like kids need that tough love. And I feel like when you give that to babies, we're too rough. Mm-hmm. Like how I treat my middle school students and say my older son is different, how I treat Sam. And I feel like that middle school and for you guys, even high school, is that where you can reach that kid, that child and make that connection and they will remember you for like the rest of their life. And not saying they can't do it in elementary, of course, but it's just a different um, impact. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you feel um, with those middle schoolers, like are you able to have some of these discussions around race and current events or does your, do you not go there with them? Um, I feel like I've never really had to go there as much just because I feel like they live in a predominantly area where everybody's the same race for the most part. Um, So they're not mixed into, like I said, me growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood. So the conversation, I don't want to say, is not the same conversation that, say, me and you had when we were discussing um, initially because their family life is in their, the way that they live is different. However, I would have, I think we've said this before in our conversations, love to have been in school to have these conversations with the kids because it would have, after George Floyd and the big Black Lives Matters movement, because it would have just been a great conversation for me to introduce to them what I see. Because when I share to them, like, um, I live in a white neighborhood. They're like, what? What do you mean? Like, they can't relate. I also, I don't know if you ladies know as well, but both of my sister-in-laws are white. And when I say that, people are like, what? What do you mean? Like, uh-huh. they have no, they don't, it's like, they don't believe me. And they'll be like, well, they're nice to you. And I'm like, they're my sister-in-laws. I love oh, wow. them. And, you know, it's, it's a good conversation for them to know that not all people are the same. Not all white people are racist. And, you know, and when black people are upset over something, we're not saying every white person in life, we're saying the white person that does it or that person who does it. It doesn't have to necessarily be based off of their color. So I feel like their life is different. So the conversation would have been different, but I would have loved to have the conversation with them. Yeah, that definitely would have been a different conversation like if them asking you if your white sister-in-laws are nice to you yeah you know that's complete opposite of any conversation that I've had to have with students because it's usually either a mixed class where we are overbrook or like growing up a predominantly white classmates Mm -hmm. and peers that it was more having to explain how I felt as a black person rather than like, no, not all white people are bad people or not all white people are racist. So it's that like the other side of that conversation. Yeah. So I feel like I've been like, it's a two sided because I grew up, as I told you in a predominantly white area, 
when I, I think when I don't want to lie, but obviously I think our graduating class maybe had maybe 20 something black people. Like when I graduated high school in my predominantly white area, first me and my youngest brother were like 11 years apart. And, you know, they may have had like a hundred and something like, you know what I mean? It was a big difference. And Mm -hmm. That side is so different. Like I've shared that I've never had, like, I didn't feel like anybody was straight racist to me, to my face. I'm not going to say it never happened in life, which was a great thing. I think you said you had a very good, say, experience technically as well. But I feel like um, as I've gotten older, I experience more and I share with you too, like it's time for us as Black women and just as a community and anybody who wants to be an ally for us to share how we feel, like just not letting things go and not in a mean way, but just like, you know what, that really wasn't nice. And that's not how all black people are. Or I think I told you for my hair, for example, I have people all the time. Is that your real hair? Because I guess black women may not have, you know, long hair you know, maybe weave. I've had people ask as a weave. And if it was or not, that's not an average question that people would ask to somebody who was not black and that's just real right no definitely i get that question like all the time because right Mm -hmm. now my hair is out but it's straightened and people are like oh wow i didn't realize how long your hair was or is that all your hair and i'm Mm -hmm. like yes this is all my hair i grew Mm -hmm. it myself You don't see people asking blondes who are not naturally blonde most of the time, like, are you really a blonde? Like, you don't really, that's, it's a great point. It's such a good point. Right. And it's like, and I don't think I knew because I feel like I had it say good per se. When people said that, I didn't even take it as being rude until I realized like, you know, later on getting older and then where the questions really were coming from that it was rude and inconsiderate. Like my students all the time, they would be like, and they do it too all the time. Is that your real hair? But that's because they know as for their own self, a lot of time they use weave and different things. And that's just their, you know, cause I guess longer hair to them makes them feel better. And so when they have it, like I always say to them, like, this is my hair, but if, but I've worn weave, if I want to, I can. And if I want to wear it, I'll wear it too as well. And it, but that shouldn't define you. And that's just, uh, I feel like uh, something as black women we struggle with, with to me, not even exercising. I remember not exercising because I didn't want to mess up my hair. Oh, yeah. That was heavy, unhealthy. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't think, I mean, I probably was technically obese compared to the, you know, the, the body index, but never really fully obese, but not healthy and unheavy because I didn't want to sweat out my hair or, you know, I didn't want to mess up my hair. I wanted to keep my hair. And it's just something that I feel like women who are not black just don't understand, like just a small thing that we deal with that we may not have shared at another time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I saw a post and it was, it was some, it was along the lines of that saying Mm -hmm. like all of the things that black women have to deal with regarding their hair that white women don't think about like going outside and you don't know if it's going to rain that day. So then it all of a sudden rains and you're like, Oh, and we've been in that situation before. It was like the first time we went out for Halloween, you were like, Oh, it's raining. It wasn't (laughs) supposed to rain. And it it will, it would ruin your mood, right? Because it ruins, it ruins Mm -hmm. your hair. And it's something that, you know, white women or women who have, hair that they don't have to think about, never think about that kind of thing. Right. Tamara, I have a question. You said you had, you had a good 
up like you didn't see overt racism growing up do you mm -hmm. think that was because but now you see it more do you think that's because you're older and you can recognize it and maybe when you were younger you weren't recognizing like the overt racism towards you for sure and i think um i think that is definitely one i think also to my parents shielded shielded shield um <laughs> um bad things that may even happen in our neighborhood, you know, even say sometimes and not nothing like aggressive or overt, but like little small things like now that I'm like, I see now like, Oh, that was probably like not a nice neighbor. Cause my parents still live at their same house. Like things that you would see, or maybe kids that I didn't play with or weren't really friends with, but like people who I would say from high school on that I'm still friends with who, like I said, I still have a connection with a good chunk of people. I feel like they were still good people in general, or like I said, if it is race, if they were racist, racist at some part or some place, they kept it to themselves good enough that I really didn't know. And I didn't feel that way, which, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, I'm glad for it. And, um, however, I would have never thought that my boys would have to deal to me more. Like my parents didn't have to have a conversation with me, but also too, I was a girl when I was younger and I feel like as, but they had it with my brothers, of course, because I think they been knew that they were men because my brother said they did have the conversation, but mm. I didn't have the conversation because most likely because I was a girl. And I'm sure um, Lexi, you would agree too that women, even though we still may get discriminated against, not as bad as a, a black man. Right. Or it's just in a different way. It's not in that like obvious uh, pulling over and br mm -hmm. police brutality type of way. Because in one of our first episodes with our vice principal, Kareem, yeah. I had talked about how like my parents never really sat me down and had this conversation with me. It was like smaller conversations as I just grew up and like went through life. Like, okay, just be careful about going to that restaurant or just, you know, be aware of this because this is the world you live in. But then with my cousin who's lived with us, it's like they had to sit him down and say like, you probably shouldn't be alone with a girl at a park, like yeah. be aware. Or when you started driving, you need to drive carefully. You need to follow the rules to the T like with the red sticker on the back of the van. Yeah. I never had to drive with the sticker on the back of my car because I told my parents how I felt so uncomfortable riding with that red sticker and like kind of pointed me out as just a female. But my dad told my cousin, he was like, no, you have to have it. He's like, you don't need any reason for you being a black man. They'll pull you over for whatever you've got. So we don't need to give them a reason to do so. And I never, again, I never really had to have those conversation. So it's interesting to hear your perspective that you as well didn't have that experience with your parents. Yeah, um, they shielded us, I guess, good. Cause I feel like, um, my mom shared that I said to her when I was younger that, um, mom, like she was like, like when I guess it was, I noticed that I was still black and there was not everybody else. She was like, yeah. She said, I said to her, I must be really special because I am the only brown one in that room. And I'm just like, how smart was I as a freaking kid to say that and not be like, how come I'm different? Or like, I, I mean, I don't know if I could say I could see me saying it, but it just made me happy to know that this is something that I said. And I guess I was even then proud of my race and who I was, even though I didn't really know all that then. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know. I, cause I remember I just always wanted to be like 
the other kids around me. Like it was, I wanted the white doll or I wanted to straighten my hair because I wanted my hair to look like my friend's hair. And I gave my mom like the hardest time, like why wouldn't she straighten my hair when I was in elementary school? And then I finally did it. And now I'm like, I don't always need it to be straight. Like it's fine. I'll have it naturally curly or I'll do braids or, you know, whatever. But that was my parents. Like we didn't want to keep picking that fight with you. So we let you do it and you are happy. And there you go. Like it was fine. So. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I wonder like, like the psychology, like the psychology behind that, like mm-hmm. what made you per- like set, not that you weren't proud Alexis to be black, but right. the fact that you wanted to be like more Eurocentric or whatever, right. You wanted to be, you wanted to have the white dolls, but then Tamara's like, no, I'm, I'm special and I'm Brown. Like, it's so interesting. <laughs> no, but I mean, I can see that. As, I feel like as I got older though, the only thing I really felt like I um, wanted um, was hair because I felt like it was just easy to, get it done because my parents um i know you guys may see well you may see me now if you're seeing my instagram my parents have always had a pool and that's something they always made like they made sure that we had as well so that way my mom's like we wanted to make sure that no one ever told you that you couldn't go into a pool like just in case mm-hmm. and they've had it since i mean like i said i think that pool is like 30 something years old and i'm old wow so <laughs> And it's like so weird too. Like I, my mom's like, I all the time, you'd be like, I'm not getting in the pool because I don't want to mess up my hair though. But I did that subconsciously. You just made me think of that as well. Not like I say wanted to necessarily be another type of race, but I would take that hair in two seconds, I guess then, because I would not go in the pool. So I wouldn't have to do my hair because you would have to, mm-hmm. you can't have right. in our hair because it'll mess it up or it may break it. So I was just like, forget that. And like, yeah, in the pool, like if anything. I didn't want the process of doing my hair and then I didn't want my other friends to see it like shrink and shrivel up. Like I was just, oh no, it's okay. Like I forgot my swimsuit or I'll just sit on the side because my hair can't get wet. It's like a whole thing is what I used to tell people if I didn't have braids in because I was just so self-conscious of it. Wow. And if you think if you grew up predominantly around other black people, you wouldn't have to have, you wouldn't have to have that subconscious feeling, you know, Uh, you wouldn't have to explain away your hair. It would just be, everyone would probably be in the pool because everyone would have the shrinkage and everyone, no one would care. Right. Like you looked like everybody else and it wouldn't be bringing attention to you. And then people wouldn't want to touch your hair and you wouldn't have all these people surrounded by you. And it's like, it's just, hair but we're making it a big deal like my parent my dad has a friend from college and they're my like god family and we do vacation we're really close and they're a black family as well and i never like whenever they would come over you know we have a pool in our backyard as well whenever they would come over like we would swim we would hang out or like on vacation like i never i can recall now i don't know that i ever thought about it that i would always feel more comfortable around them because their hair was the same. Our parents were the same. Like, you know, it wasn't a thing if my hair looked different than theirs. Mm, yeah, I agree. I get, like, I do remember that. Like, not like, I feel like hair is my main thing that I've always maybe wished that if I wasn't black, that I could have that type of hair. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I feel like, um, yeah, like always still been happy of who I am. I do feel like not saying, maybe not always speaking up for myself all the time, but not of just maybe not maybe wanting to have conflict. 
Okay. Maybe being scared because I think people say I'm very outspoken. I say what I mean. I mean what I say. But I feel like this um, new movement, because like I said, it's always been a movement or like say new and improved. And now just having so many people be committed besides just the black race. Mm-hmm. It has just also, I felt made me, I don't know, like not maybe want to back down or just not shy down or not speak what needs to be said when it's right and needs to be said. Not like you have to be aggressive and, you know, start and pick and fight. But if you see something and you notice it and it's not right, it's my duty to speak on it. So do you ever feel like you didn't say something or you didn't step up to say something because you have like that stigma of an angry black woman? Like, so you were kind of holding back in that way or were you just not saying something because you were uncomfortable or you didn't know what to say? Yeah, I don't know if... Not if I've ever thought I was going to be considered an angry black woman um, from other people, but they probably would. <laughs> My students at school would say, yes, I'm the angry black woman. <laughs> why are you always yelling, Mrs. Barr? Uh, why are you always doing something I need to yell at? <laughs> That's like their favorite thing. I'm like, why are you always doing something that I have to yell? But I think it's more of maybe just thinking how people would accuse people and not necessarily me per se, but of like the race card per se Mm. and people feeling like, Oh, well you're using the race card. If you were to bring up something that you may have brought up that may have sparked a conversation verse now, I think my response, if it was considered in a black race card, I would think I would say, well, if there wasn't one to play, then I wouldn't be playing it. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like I would be coming a different way because card or whatever you call it, um, people don't like to be discriminated against. So if they're saying it, most likely it is the truth. Now we already know people lie and people make up things, but in general, that truthful person, mm-hmm. if they're telling you, you know how they're calling it, like the gaslighting, like, you know, saying, but this is why I said it, or, you know, I have a black friend or, you know, the token black friend or, you know, um, my best friend's black, you know, all those things. It doesn't still mean that you may not have racist tendencies or that just may mean that you like that black person, but not necessarily all blacks. Mm. I mean, that can happen as well. And so I just feel like just maybe not wanting maybe to spark that conversation. Cause I think it is a difficult conversation, but yeah, mm. I mean, I'd rather you make a mistake and say something and I'd be like, Oh, you know what? That wasn't, you know, and we fix it. I'm not, you know, I may make a mistake. It's not something that's racist. I would want you to correct me like same thing. Right. Yes. Absolutely. It's the same thing that we were talking about the inst- when we were talking about the Instagram, the people that haven't said anything and it's, yeah. are they not saying anything because they're ignorant or they're not saying anything because they don't want know what to say, but I'm thinking the worst. I'm thinking what? you're not saying anything because you don't support it. Right. And then it's like, well, I don't want to support you unfollow, yeah. but maybe that's not why I don't know. But when you say silent on a topic, I think it speaks more volumes than if you do say the wrong thing and then say, I'm sorry. Um, I was ignorant about that, but yeah. let me, learn more about it. I heard somebody say the uh, yesterday, like they were a firm believer in um, ignorance is the best way to learn because you can reflect on what you said and why it was ignorant and then change it. I like that. Yeah. That sounds, um, yeah, to me, like you said, you think the worst and I love that statement. I want to, um, I'm gonna have to like re-listen and like share that in my head. <laughs> I feel like for my kids, like, it's just even important for them. Like, just like, you know, like for a question, like if something's wrong, it's like you learn from that. Or you say something that hurts somebody's feelings, you can learn from that. It's not, you know, maybe you were taught that at a house because that's the thing. Racism is taught. So 
somebody who is not saying something, maybe they were, you know, learned all these racist things at home and they're scared, but that's how you break through sharing. Somebody can say, Hey, you know what? That's like really ignorant. And I really didn't appreciate when you said that. And, you know, and then you go from there. I mean, I've had, uh, I felt like women to say like, Oh, you went to school? Like what? Black women don't go to school? Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, like, and when I went to school, like not like high school, but like college, because I have my master's degree as well in public um, policy and administration. Mm-hmm. So I just choose not to for my own self, but I can be a principal myself as well. And they were like, oh, oh, you went to school to be a principal? And oh, like, you know, and it's that shock. And you're like, well, what's that mean? Are you shocked? One, because I'm young. One, because I'm black. One, you know, right. which one is it? <laughs> yeah, like it's like I am an educated person. I always tell people too because I don't think they know all the time. Like you have to go to college to be a teacher. Like you can't just pop up into a classroom. Now, you know, I know some charter schools you can, but you know what I mean. In general, you need a college degree to do right. stuff. So why you think you know, you know, people don't have education? Like I have people too. Like when I say I'm a teacher, oh, you're a teacher, and I'm always like wondering, you know, as well too. Like, well, yeah, you know, you can be a teacher. You know, and then when I say where I grew up, I grew up in um, Del Ram, which was a predominantly white people. When I say that too, they're like, for real? Like, who makes up stuff like that? Like, mm. <laughs> if, I pick up, like if I were to pick a place, it wouldn't just be there. Like, <laughs> like hopefully I would pick something like, you know, a little bit more interesting. And like, <laughs> so I'm grateful for my experience. I feel like um, what people have to realize is that when Black parents are bringing like you, Lexi, and like my son, Alex, into a predominantly white neighborhood um but still mixed it's so you can try to give the best for them obviously as well but then I feel like then we probably as parents I don't know if your mom and dad would agree but then you feel like did we like not give them that full black I don't even know I don't know what you really call it I don't even know what I'm really trying to say but like the full black experience if that even makes sense yeah 100% uh, so my parents like you know because I feel like we my parents shielded me and I know I shielded Alex and I'm sure your parents shielded you from certain things. And then now we come into this big, bad world. And then we're like, I told you, like you said, um, I think it probably was always there and maybe um, Melissa. And then I just didn't see it. And now, you know, it's like, whoop, 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 whoop. And then I think like me and Lexi reconnect, we've always still been friends or whatever, but like reconnected with the George Floyd incident. Cause like I was devastated and, I, you know, there was all these black issues and, um, but like seeing that like hurt my heart. And to me, just the fact that after I saw people still justifying, mm. no matter what he did, his past came up. Um, even if he was, you know, used the fake 20 or not, if still, you know, he was innocent until proven guilty, technically, as far as I'm concerned. He was crying for help. It's a grown man. Like that was too much, especially even for what was going on. And the fact that people could still justify to me, that is like, there's no reason I can't stand up when things are wrong. Like right. that was it. Like people were literally like, well, he did this. He came out of jail. He did. Well, what? Like right then it was me. He couldn't breathe. He was calling out. No matter if he was say even acting crazy before he got him to the ground, he was under control then. Like, you right. know what I mean? And and to me, just anybody who can justify wrong, then that means I have to justify right. If I expect anybody else to speak up who is not Black, then I know I have to speak up for myself and right. for my children and for my husband, who, like I said, I worry about all the time. Like, my post was a true post. Alex will tell you that still now, he's 24. He has to text me when he gets to where he's at just because it just eases my mind. 
he can be lying where he's at, like 24-7. At least he's like, here. He says, people be like, how come your mom's like texting and stuff? And he was like, he told me the other day, he was like, I tell him I have a black mom and she's worried. Mm. That's just what it is. It's like uh, your concern and because something can bad happen any day of the week anyway. But the fact that he's black, that adds a little bit more. And he's a male, a little bit more. And then, you know, and people just are automatically intimidated by a black male um, in general. And then my husband, I worry about him, even though he's always like, I'm good. My husband's 6'5", so I know they're intimidated by him. Oh, yeah. So like a whole different thing. Alex is, you know, still under six foot, but like my husband being 6'5", I'm sure to people, he's like scary. You mm-hmm. know, nicest person ever. And I put that in my post as well. Like he's probably nicer than me. <laughs> <laughs> but people judge by that color of your skin. And I just always think how like Martin Luther King would be appalled that we right. are in 2020 and dealing with this um, nonsense. So yeah. Well, it's funny because my dad is six four, six five, yeah. black guy. And I always remember like when my friends would meet him for the first time or whatever, they'd be like, wow, he's like really intimidating or like, cause he's just this, he, but he's just this big guy. And I'd be like, my dad. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, you don't know him. He's like, the biggest teddy bear because he my like the scary one's my mom like he right. is not the scary one my mom is terrifying yeah so in yeah. i'm thinking now you know when i was growing up my parent my friends would always say your dad's so scary mm-hmm. and um my dad's like a dark-skinned hispanic so mm-hmm. he and now I'm thinking, like, is that why they were saying? My dad's only 5'10". My dad's not a tall guy. Like, he's not crazy tall. He has a really thick accent. So I was always thinking maybe that's why they thought he was scary because they, like, didn't know what he was saying sometimes. <laughs> but now I'm like, is that why? <laughs> like, yeah, it's- I mean, maybe a combination of both. Yeah, because I, mean, yeah. I just feel like, like you said, it's an intimidation factor um, as well, for sure. Mm-hmm. It, and it affects people. And that's what people don't realize, too. Like, um I'm sure, like you said, people, you, you know, the psychological issues that we still have in our head, like even still, like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to make sure, I wish my hair was a little nicer or, oh, right. um, like you said, oh, I wish it, I wish I looked like somebody else. Like that's traumatizing, like some type of way. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, absolutely. I think body image too, like yeah. uh, right now growing up, I feel like now we're growing up. I feel like our, our role models or even if their bodies are like not the realist, but my uh, my parents grew up with this idea of what was beautiful body wise was stick thin and you know no curves and mm-hmm. that's psychological too like growing up with seeing that as your role model but your body's not built like that mm-hmm. like it's literally just not built like that it's <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it but because that's the standard beauty yeah, I was yeah. on the team I was like I think there was two or three blacks at the time there but my skirt fit different than everybody else for sure like, mm. you know what I mean? Because I still have a butt. And so, like I said, everybody else was like, you know, and I didn't notice like little small things, but like you said, like, but now I can think too, like you said, like, yeah, my skirt fit different than everybody else. Right. Yeah. You don't think about those things, but it's yeah. just so true. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like those are like little, like, you know, pins, pin, you know, that's like, that bothered you and then something else. And then, you know, that's in sometimes when people snap, snap or people just, you know, struggle dealing with things. So, like I said, I feel like we just have to just come together better. And I worry about it because I'm like, Sam's like nine. And I, like I said, he technically, 
So I th- shared on there, like, I need to have a conversation with Sam. Sam doesn't know about George Floyd still yet. I will have that conversation still right before school. I just have been sharing small things of, oh, this is not some an example of like TV shows and things that he's watched, like not treating a black person right and mm-hmm. knowing how this feels. And he, he, he's just like, oh, well, I don't like um, that because that's not nice to treat people like that. And I'm just like, I didn't even tell you anything good yet. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just insane to have to sit down to with your child and have that conversation. And he's so young, like Alex was older. I don't think we really talked to him good to about 16, about 17, because he was getting ready to drive his own car. And we didn't want him to have any issues, you know, because of that. Cause you know, um, not, and not everybody in their mama has a car, you know, at his age and, you know, or his race and everything. So that was like a concern for us, but it was easier for us to him to have the car. So we didn't have to run and pick him up every two seconds. Like, you know what I mean? But then it was uh, additional worry on top of other things that you worry about with your kids. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, because we kind of touched on a little bit, but one of my questions was how, so you're raising two boys. How do you think you're like in the climate of today, raising two black girls like would have differed? I feel like I'm not, maybe not at the conversation of having to watch um, her back per se, like, you know what I mean? Of like, you know, doing everything that everybody else can't do. Cause I remember saying that to my son, like everybody's going in the store, you know, don't be doing, if they're doing something wrong, you can't do that or different things like that. Cause I don't want you to get in trouble. But for a daughter, I think I would want to, I don't know if I would, because Alexi, just how you're saying about how you felt about your hair and wanted mm. to be like everybody else. I would hope that I would want to open up dialogue to have that conversation of, how does she feel if I was living in a predominantly white neighborhood and maybe she felt out of place? Cause I don't think something as a daughter or a girl that you would, they would stay on their own. Mm-hmm. You go to your mom and say, Hey, I don't like the way I look. I'm sure, you know, straight out saying that verse, cause it's not a normal thing to say, but like maybe hoping we see those cues of you asking just for that white doll and mm-hmm. saying, Oh, well maybe she's associating that's like pretty. And then maybe saying to her like, Oh, I'll get you that white doll, but maybe we'll get you this black one too. Right. Um, so your two boys, Alex and Sam, Mm -hmm. um, they grow up or are growing up in a predominantly white community, neighborhood school system. Mm -hmm. How's that experience? Well, Alex is now 24 out of the local school system and Sam's still in the midst of it. So how, what were the, have their experiences been, I guess, living in this community? So I would say for Alex, Alex said to me that we of course had all these conversations. Um, it's so weird having a conversation with him now cause he's 24 and then he's like telling me stuff that I didn't know <laughs> necessarily because he didn't, um, I guess maybe want me to know. But he was saying that he saw like little, maybe small stuff here and there or whatever, but he said most predominantly would be girls who would say to him like, oh, well, you know, I love all people, whatever too, but my dad said I can't date like a black guy. But he never told me, but because it didn't still shock me because I know my brothers, like I said, I told you, they both have predominantly dated white and that's just what they've always preferred, but they had chicks in between that parents wouldn't let them. So, you know, they moved on and went to the next. So that didn't shock me, but it was like, Weird, like I said, set you figure 2000, I've been there 14, so 2014 ish. Parents are still saying these to their kids, mm. and um, you know, and he was like, just like, he was just like, oh, yeah, he's like, well, she was like, oh, no, but I still like you. And he said in his head, he was just like, oh, well, that means I'm not being bothered with you, obviously, because <laughs> if I can't go around your dad and be around your family, but I'm just so glad he's so smart to do that because how many people still hang out with people who say, 
oh, I'm still your friend, but my dad won't let me, you know, date you. You know, that's to me is like a smart person to be like, you know what? I still have my own self-worth. Your parents don't want me to be bothered, be bothered with me. And they don't even know me. They just see me as black. And then you're not for me. And then Mm -hmm. I would say for Sam, because they're 15 and a half years apart. Sam to me has had a, which I think Alex in the beginning too, like just a really good experience. Sam to me is friends with everybody. He likes everybody. He does notice um, skin tone. So he definitely noticed, like I said, he's still like a different color. All of us have to just do a good job of teaching our kids the right thing and judging somebody. Don't like me because I'm Tamire and you don't like me not Tamire, the black teacher, the the black online fitness coach, you know, the black educated person just don't like me because of who I am, not because of that race. Because how many people don't get to know somebody just because of their race? Right. Uh, probably yeah. a lot. Yeah, there's so many good people out there, I'm sure. And just to be so close-minded and to be so hurtful is just a disgusting thing. And I just definitely don't want that for my children. So I want to be part of that movement, just be more vocal and be a better Black person, if I want to say. <laughs> just just help people and and just to be better because everybody needs it. And I hope I'm able to do that um, for my students as well, if we're able to get back in the classroom right away, because how many parents don't know how to talk to their kids? And I feel like as teachers, that may be our job to step in, obviously not go you know, past boundaries, of course, but to give them that education that they need, because I feel like um, I was brought up, I feel when parents didn't really tell you much because they wanted to like shield you from everything and protect you. And it's like, we do want to protect our children but we have to make them aware so they're able to function in the world and be a good citizen. Because if not, they're going to be scared or be in shock and hide and not be who they were meant to be. Right. I, yeah. uh, I'm i taking a couple of grad classes right now, actually. <laughs> and, and one of the readings I was doing last week, they were talking about, one of the readings was talking about having difficult conversations in the classroom and like including that in your curriculum and why it's so important because the text was saying how students um, never really learn, like people don't learn how to have a conversation that doesn't turn into an argument. And so the text said like, so, so many people in society turn to talk shows to try to figure out how to have those conversations. Whereas if you could teach them when they were kids, they don't have to be afraid of saying the wrong thing. They don't have to be afraid that, you know, maybe they'll might make somebody upset and how to really, um, be educated and how to speak their truth and their beliefs and their opinions in a way that's respectful to everyone around them and how to have those conversations. How does your like husband do with all of this? Like seeing George Floyd and all that stuff. Like, and I ask just because my dad, like we were trying to watch, uh, when they see us on Netflix and he like, got he's shut down so fast and was like I can't watch this I don't need to keep watching this I see it all the time I don't need to watch it so you know and then when it comes to George Floyd like he's usually a little bit quieter and he's usually like of course it's happening again so I'm just curious does how does your husband react so that's a good question I feel like my husband is um aware like in knowledge of and I think probably it's maybe similar because I feel like they're so used to it because they're black men that like now mind you the the extreme to it was vulgar but like just because I feel like they have 
had that treatment so long and they get it every day or say every other day, like it affected him, but not to me as much as it affected me or I think mm-hmm. women or even young children who now to me are like, you know, little kids who are like, what? I think my parents may be racist. Like you saw how people were coming out like right. crazy. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I feel like because they are so used to it, didn't affect like even for Alex too. Alex said to me that he put he keeps his college book bag in the front seat so p- police officers know just in case he ever gets stopped that he leaves his educated and he goes to school. Like, wow. so, like pre-programmed, even though we don't know it, like as women, like mm-hmm. he this is me talking to him now and I find this about because I mean I've had the conversation, but like him sharing, oh mom, I do this, or mom, I do this, like you know what I mean. I, he always jokes how I always say, get a bag at the grocery store because I don't want nobody ever saying that you stole. Like he would be like, oh no, I'll just take it. Nope, receipt, bag. And my mom has always said that from a kid. And I used to always mm-hmm. be like, why? Like in my head, she never actually said, oh, because people think you steal it. And then now as I say it to my kid, I know exactly why. So I think men, I think they just hold down and they're not, now he'll still watch it though. So it's a little different from your dad in regards to that. But I think they're so used to that treatment and how people treat them mm-hmm. that- it was like just another day and not saying the extremes, of course, but just like, this is what just happens. Here we go again, you know, right. verse um, George Floyd though, like, you know, like that was disgusting. So I think that was a different extreme, but mm-hmm. I feel like when you see this, when you see us, mm-hmm. when they see us, yeah, when they see us. That's exactly. Cause I said, I knew I was saying it wrong. I have not watched the whole thing too. Like I get so sick. Like I watched the full George Floyd because I feel like I've been in that situation, but I really start like crying and getting upset because those parents were put in such situations to be quiet because they were threatening like full livelihoods. And just, I cannot imagine having to make a decision that will go against your own child just so you would not have to worry about your entire family, including yourself being affected. And I know I still need to watch it and stuff too, but that movie I'm telling you, I've gone like in increments. I think I'm probably on now, like halfway through because I get so upset because I'm like, this is what has been done for years. And then to see it, you know what happens and I know we need to see it, but it's just like, imagine how many that we don't know about. Right. Right. Yeah. It took me f- quite a while to get through when they see us because- okay. Not good, but at least it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, and usually I can like binge a show and watch it so quickly. And I'm like, yeah, give me more. And that I had to keep like pausing it. And then when I paused it, I didn't want to restart it. I, cause I just saw like it, one of the actors that plays one of the teenage boys looks similar to my, how my cousin looked when he was younger. So I just kept seeing him and I was crying and I was just like, it was just so real that I was like, I can't. Draining, I was like, I get yes. like it's like it pulls your like everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, two years ago, when it first came out, all the boys in class were saying, "Like Miss Prez, you have to watch it. Miss Prez, you have to watch it." And I was like, and it was like Tay and Vince and Julian, and I was so excited that they were excited about something. But I was like, guys, I cannot watch it. I was like, I know I'll cry. I just see you guys when I watch things like that. Like, that's all I see. I only see you. (laughs) But that's why it took me, like, that's why I started watching it was because the students watched it in a weekend. So I was like, okay, it must be like, I'm sure it's difficult to watch, but like, I'll watch it. And then I saw my cousins. I saw my students and I, and they were like, did you finish it yet? Did you finish it yet? And I was like, 
no, because I sit here and I pray that it's not you. I pray it's not my brother and that it could be. And at any second, at any age, and, you know, the kids were just so into it that because I don't know like I think they were just watching it to watch it and we're like oh what a crappy story they weren't watching it thinking like oh wow that looks like my little brother or that looks like me you know like they're not putting themselves in that story whereas I've been when I watched it I put every person every black boy black male black mother I knew into that story and I was a wreck like I like you said emotionally drained there's never going to be it's never going to be enough is enough until we do more and we including myself yeah right yeah um and then just one question last question one of our last questions for you i know in some of our past discussions we talked about like having these discussions with friends and how it was like exhausting but also necessary so can you tell us a little bit about your discussions you've had with friends, whether positive, negative, about like this resurgence of the Black Lives Matter coming from George Floyd? Um, yeah, so we definitely did. I feel like it is a, I decided to do on my um, Instagram too, like, because uh, I felt like a lot of people were reaching out, which I'm sure like you, Alexis, because it's like, mm-hmm. like um, you know, you're a black person. And if you were like a friend, I think, like I said, friends knew to reach, not, I'm gonna say new, but like, it would have been appropriate for you to reach out. Mm-hmm. even say how are you or you know asking any questions so I made like a little mini like resources like what should I do on my Instagram just a little post that actually a lot of people ended up sharing of um just how to be like say a better person better white person or just a better person who is not of color right. um, I felt like a lot of people who I feel like I've been around it is a form of ignorance like you were saying to Melissa too but like but not knowing and not like a true, like, Hey, I want to be a hateful person, but Hey, this is maybe what I was taught at home. This is, I never thought about it this way. So I feel like all my conversations were still pretty positive, but I feel like that is because my circle is a small one in general. My circle is good. And even say for work, like coworkers, I do work in a predominantly, um, in the inner city. Um, the students are majority Hispanic and, um, black American and the teacher, those are mixed. We do have whites, we have Hispanics and we have blacks as well. So I feel like in the mixture of my school, to be honest, it's a very good group of people, men and women. So it was like the circle was good if I were to say, so like, even if there was a question or a concern that was something that just went well. And I feel like I'm like glad I'm in a good place there. I feel like I was more needing to have conversations and be outspoken just on regular, like Facebook, like people who mm-hmm. say were like your friend, but maybe not like your friend, friend. So, you know, you may, I'm public because of my online health fitness business. So some may, body may follow me for my fitness. Um, but you know, I don't know why, even though I'm a black fitness woman may have felt like, you know, making some, ignorant statement. And I think old Tamira would have been like, oh, you know, this person's ignorant and whatever. But then I felt like those conversations were needed to be had. Like there was a woman who I'm friends on Facebook with or not friends now, I don't think. Her husband was a police officer and she was like, you know, all lives matter, blue lives matter, you know, that nonsense to me. Mm -hmm. And 
I said, you know, because her husband's a cop. And I said, I understand that your husband's a cop. However, my husband is a black American. And I worry about him when he goes out the door, just like you worry about your husband. But your husband gets paid to do his job. My husband just can walk to go to the store. He can just right. be going to get me ice cream and somebody may stop him and think that he's doing something wrong. And we get into this incident. And I feel like until people truly realize what Black Lives Matter means and you say to them and they still don't understand, they don't want to understand. And um, so those to me are my tougher conversations. And um, if, if you're not my friend after that, I'm fine with that as well, because I guess, I mean, like I said, it's not a, it's anybody who I've, I felt like I've had to unfollow or made a comment and they weren't happy with me was nobody that was say in my circle, I guess mm. is what I'm trying to say. I appreciate you guys um, for sure having, you just have me even thinking a little bit more for myself because of um, when I get off here, like things I want to talk about in my classroom, because you made me realize even more, because I think I didn't know this, that, that my students' perspective of still what happened is still even different from what I see it as and what you see mm. as. Yeah. You need to see it like like full circle so they Help can them get the full picture, put yeah. it all together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Ladies, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you.